You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 129 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We've got a busy and jam-packed show ahead for you today. We'll be analyzing the news of Virginia Tech's fall semester plans, what that means for college football as a whole coming back in 2020. The class of 2021, the recruiting class, a lot of new commits. We'll also talk about the decommitment of Latrell Neville. Plus, the men's basketball roster at Virginia Tech looks a little bit different. We'll talk about the departure of P.J. Horn and what the Hokies might be doing with that extra roster spot. Episode 129 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets underway right now. And with that, we say welcome back into the Tech Sideline Podcast. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, you're watching archived on YouTube, listening on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, however you consume the Tech Sideline Podcast, we are so glad you could join us as we record on this Tuesday morning, June the 9th. And it is so great to be back with all of you. We've got uh, the best crew in the land here today. We've got our managing editor, Chris Coleman. We've got our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. And we have the best producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, taking your Facebook Live questions for the end of the show right now. It's great to have you all with us. A reminder that the Tech Sideline Podcast is brought to you each and every week by the Fisher Law Firm. They're Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their office in Blacksburg, they are able to serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, they realize that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free. 1-800-680-7031 is the number. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Gentlemen, it is great to be looking across and seeing Will, looking to my left, seeing Chris, looking to my right, seeing Malcolm. How are you all doing as we record here in the first week of June? I'm doing fine. Uh, Malcolm, can I have the camera, please? Evan, if you thought you were going to get away without talking about your all-American status, <laughs> you are wrong. We we went over the whole plan for the show, and it did not include Evan bragging about being named all-American. So tell us all about that. Who was the organization that did it? Um, you know, kind of run through it for us. Well, uh, thank you, guys, because it wouldn't be possible without – you know, you guys at TSL and, you know, the opportunities that you guys have both given me. So I'm appreciative of the article that was written. It was all just a very, um, it was a fun day. So uh, the uh, Sportscasters Talent Agency of America, STAA, is the organization that puts this on. It's run by a gentleman by the name of John Chelesnick out in uh, California. He's a former broadcaster. And basically they help um, 
broadcasters with their 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 forms, their message boards find open jobs, and then they provide you know Instagram live Q and A's with broadcasters and ways to get better. And so it's just a terrific organization, and they host the Jim Nance Award every year to recognize the top. It's about the 12 year old award. Is that right? 12, yes. Yes. Yeah. Sir. This was the 12th year that they did it. And to recognize the nation's top collegiate sports broadcaster. This is the entire country folks. And this means that if you're a, if you're a broadcaster, you're going up against some pretty phenomenal schools. Syracuse is, is probably the best top to bottom, right? It's a, absolutely. It's kind of Syracuse versus the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of, I tell you what, there's a lot, I've gotten to know a lot of Syracuse, but you know, I always tell people Syracuse kind of is the equivalency of Alabama football, right? You know, when it comes to sports around. broadcasting. Yes. So what other schools are some of the top? I mean, I know Northwestern is written. Yep. So, 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 you know, Syracuse, Northwestern, um, uh, Arizona State is a program Pretty that's strong. really rising in the winter. Scotty Gaines is from Arizona State. A lot of the SEC schools, you know, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, all have pretty good communications programs. But, uh, you know, Syracuse has Bob Costas, Mike Tirico, Bill Roth, yeah. Sean McDonough. You know, the list goes on and on. Of, of so, so this is the Heisman Trophy of, oh, of sport. student sports broadcasting, and Evan came in second. He's better at his craft than Michael Vick was as a freshman. Bob, Michael Vick only finished third. That's right. 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 <laughs> so it's uh, – wow, man. I mean, whew. So what does that mean? Like, like – those people all get jobs, right? People that place like that. I mean, I mean, pers- I mean, personally, I think the voting was flawed this year anyway because we didn't get to finish baseball season, and that's one of Evan's true talents, right? Right, there. right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was really lucky. I got to do the the Bryant baseball series, the first, the last two days of February, the first day of March. So yeah. I was actually able to throw that on my reel, which I was really lucky. But, yeah. I mean, there um, there's some really good talent. I had no <laughs> idea, you know. So they do a one through twenty. And the top six are all Americans, they call. And then there's about right. 15 honorable mention. Right. And I was honestly just really going into it hoping that I would place because I knew, you know, for our growing sports media and analytics program, I really wanted to have a Hokie. You know, Bailey Angle placed 13th and 16 and 17. Danny Noakes, who's a student broadcaster in 15, got 15th. But I wanted to try and get Tech back on that list. And so to to be number two, which was I had no expectations of that whatsoever. That, that's Just, phenomenal. I mean, I mean, I know you're good and I know you're talented, but to, to but to understand that you're you're that good on a national level is is really phenomenal. I I, I mean, I remember when we met. It was at uh, BW threes. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Bill Roth is like, oh, you got to come out and you gotta you gotta have uh, dinner and you gotta meet this kid, man. He's coming in and we'll we'll see if we can get him to work with you. And I don't. I guess we had a podcast back then. Well, actually, so it's it's really we we met, and then I uh, um one of my favorite things I remember it was one of the last days that I was in school my freshman year, and I got a text from Bill at like eleven thirty at night and said, "Hey, I think Will in TSL might be looking for a podcast host. Would you be interested?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah. please do whatever. Like, you know, can you help connect that? Because I would love because that's to do something that. you weren't doing at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I just would love. I was like, oh my god, to work for Tech Sideline and to work with." you guys and so uh thank you to everybody who reached out it's meant a lot it's meant a lot for our program and you know hearing bill talk about we've had high school talent follow him on twitter that he didn't know about that are you know that's that's so what it's, it's, all it's about. definitely helping out bill's program and yeah. bill's program became a major this year this right? year yes yeah. sir yeah. Um, so we're it, we're thrilled and i can't thank you guys enough because you know doing this twice a week and you know it's it's helped me and so so let's settle it here you going pro early you're coming back for your senior <laughs> of course i'm coming back of course <laughs> i'm not going 
I've got a long ways to go still. Yeah, he so. hasn't hired an agent yet. I've got another year. I mean, I've got more TSL podcasts to host. Evan before. wants to win a championship. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it with a smile on my face there. It's so congratulations to you. Man. Well, thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. That was not planned. So I appreciate you. Yeah, it was, it was well. hard to keep that information to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because, because your mom told us like the, the your, day or your, two Your before. mom actually hit us up on Facebook and was like, one of you guys call me, please. And, so you I, know, and I called her and I found out about it and I'm like, cool. I'll write up the article tomorrow and have it ready to yeah, post. Yeah, we had it already. Well, you, yeah. So actually my, my, somehow my parents, actually, so, um, they did the top six on CBS Sports HQ, which is different. It's typically a YouTube pre-recorded show. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, they did that at 345. You're supposed to have it at 4 o'clock. But because the NBA season was coming back, they delayed it 45 minutes. So I'm sitting that there least. for an hour. Yeah, thing. we, we noticed. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it was a long wait. But um, actually, they had reached out to Hokie Vision and ACC Network and Eric Fry the week before. And uh, Damien Souse heard about it, reached out to my mom. And uh, they were worried that because of my cell reception, for those that don't know, back in Richmond, I have no Wi-Fi. <laughs> you uh, where where are you going, a gas station or something like uh, that? that? We actually went to the office to watch. So anyways, it, all, it was really cool. that, And it all, the reason I bring that up was because I have the Facebook notifications on for Tech Sideline because I we used to do the Facebook Live on my phone before this right. awesome set. And I saw my mom send a private message. And I was like, why in the world? But I just for some reason didn't click on it. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, in hindsight, oh, very glad thing. that I did oh, not click on that private message wow. because I would have found out the day before. Now, now she, knew, she knew that Evan was not the winner, correct? She knew, but she knew he was she knew he finished. She knew he finished. Finished probably second or third. I think right. what she told so, me. Man. Yeah. Anyways, it all Sweet. worked out. And enough about me because we we've we've got a busy look 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 at all this for those on Facebook. We've got how many pages? Three, we've got, three, we've got stuff. Four, three whole pages. Three and, whole uh, pages. And we, and we haven't have a she- even have a sheet of large print here. <laughs> look at that. For, yeah, for guys like me. And that's also on our Twitter at Tech Sideline right now, by the way. One of those uh, that you can go look at on uh, on social media. But So uh, let's get into let's it. Let's get into it. Thank you, guys. And, again, it's great to be back. It's almost been a month since we've done a show. So we've got a lot to get through. We're going to talk about uh, Virginia Tech football recruiting. We're going to talk about uh, some good, some bad, uh, what the 2021 class is looking like. We're also going to talk about the Virginia Tech men's basketball roster. But we begin with news yesterday out of the university, and that was President Tim Sands and Virginia Tech announcing that students – will return on time. The semester will begin in 2020 on August 24th. It'll conclude on December 16th. Classes will be online after Thanksgiving break. But there was a part uh, of that release that kind of talked about sports, and I'm basically going to summarize it, how Chris put it in the article yesterday. Basically, we still don't have all the information at this point, and there wasn't a ton of information released. But based off of that release, which you wrote up, what did you take away from President Sands and what it means for athletics this fall? Well, it means they're definitely going to have a football season for sure. I mean, if you can if you can have an academic year with students on campus, then then you can have football season. Um, And that really was worrying me back in March and April that football season wouldn't happen. There was a time where I didn't. I've gone back and forth between thinking it's going to happen, it's not going to happen. Fortunately, it's going to happen. Now, we just don't know. The main thing right now is when is exactly going to start? What is the schedule going to look like? Because you don't necessarily know that each one of those games is going to get played. That part is still an unknown. Um, you don't know how many people are going to be in lane, allowed in Lane Stadium. Obviously, Virginia Tech is a state school that is going to follow state guidelines. And right now, we are in Phase 2, and the state guideline is – no more than 50 people in a group gathering, right? I believe that's indoors, though. Okay. 
I don't. I don't know though. Okay, so if uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right about that. Nah. Uh, uh, public indoor gatherings. I I, I really I, I don't because know, I know that but, my daughter's going to have her graduation, her high school graduation on the 26th of June. Oh yeah. and they're going to put them in Radford High's football stadium. Okay, okay. and they're going to put them on both sides and distance okay. families from each other. Okay. And that, and, um, and it's going to be they're going to put the students on the field six feet apart from each other, which right, is kind of a right, bummer. Right. Well, we'll see well, how long that lasts. Even then, think think about for Virginia Tech when you've got indoor club sections uh, and the press box and everything like that. I mean, yeah. you would have to kick some of those people out, and those are their you know big donors or media or whatever. Um, so right now, you know, if if the season started tomorrow, I don't think they would allow a full capacity stadium right. in the state of virginia in my opinion um but what what babcock said in his town hall thing that he did on friday night that he thinks it'll be about another month before that gets decided or yeah they they're going to give it as much idea. time as, as they but, can right right they're, they're not going to come to a hard decision right now and say oh we're only going to allow 20 percent of the capacity and then get to the start of the season and you're like oh everything's fine we could, you know what? We could just let a hundred percent of people in, and it was, and it's all good. Um, so, yeah, there's still a lot of unknown. I think, I think Tim Sands and the press release said really as much as they could possibly say yeah, right now. Yeah. Will, how important of a step was it a couple of weeks ago that President Sands signed off on allowing players to voluntarily come back for football workouts? Did you see that as a, a positive step in the right direction? Sure, but a lot of schools are doing that, you know. Um, and and I'll admit I haven't had a chance to watch the news really closely, but the three I've noticed are Oklahoma State. Uh, they had some players test positive. I think Alabama had five tests yeah, positive. Yeah. And Marshall had a couple of players and a staffer test positive. So I think the reaction there is to quarantine, you know, because because they're not, and, and I think these voluntary workouts will consist of smaller groups, you know. It, yeah, 10 people. So they've they've moved Virginia Tech's weight room into the indoor practice facility. Yeah, and so there's there's 10 people at a time working out in that massive indoor practice. facility. And they're spraying the equipment down, yeah, you know, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, so and, then, and that's good because that's actually like an open air environment, yeah, which is better yeah. to being yeah, inside. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it was a surprise to some people in this country to see players come back and test positive and things like that. And there's a tendency to get worried. But, you know, I follow European soccer heavily, and those leagues have either already started back up or they will start up within the next week or two. And, you know, players in the Premier League are testing positive, and then and so, and so, what does the team as a whole do when a player tests positive? Uh, he leaves, and everybody else stays. They keep practices. going, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's full. You know, I mean, you have to. Everything's going to go out of business over there in that league if you don't. Yeah. So, so, so I, I mean, I don't think you can. If if one or two players test positive, I don't think you can shut the whole team down for two weeks. No. That that's going to create chaos. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Well, that, they're they're testing them all. You know very regularly like yeah. if, if this like i don't know if it's every day but it's at least every couple of days and they all get tested so and, and the who came out yesterday and said that <clears throat> the transmissions of people who are asymptomatic or people who, are, who have it but are asymptomatic transmitting it are very rare right so i think that's an encouraging sign if yeah it becomes the prevailing thought and that lets you set strategy and tactics then that means i remember reading the article about the two marshall players they were floored they had no symptoms at right. all, so I think that if 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 that's what you want to go with, that's what the WHO is saying today. Who knows what they're going to say tomorrow? Mm-hmm. That said, 
if you have three players test positive and they're completely asymptomatic, then you can decide you're going to do what, what the EPL is doing. You're going to quarantine them and everybody else keeps going. So one question I have, and I was thinking about this because I, I believe, and I don't want to misquote here, but when Whit Babcock uh, spoke to media on Zoom, maybe about a month or a month and a half ago, he, he made some joke saying we'll play on the moon or something to right. play college football season, right? The moon, the moon, they'll play on the moon in January, I believe, yeah. if they to play but, football so season. So one, one of the things we're seeing a lot from universities right now is that all the students are going home after Thanksgiving and then not coming back to late January in the event that the coronavirus does come back in the winter. Right. So my question is... Well, there's going to be nobody at the Tech UVA game. No student section. That's what that's going to mean. Right. It's good. Yeah. I didn't even think so, about so it. So let like me that. jump in here and so say... Virginia uh, Tech's going to have no home field. Uh, not as much of a home field advantage for the UVA game. Yeah. When in... I think Lane would be frothing at the mouth this year for that game yeah, to get right. the comeback, oh, but it's now it's not going to be that way. So, uh, you know, I've got two kids in, in college. Malcolm, of course, goes to Tech, and, and my son Ronan goes to South Carolina, and they have adopted similar models where they're coming back at the regular time and the first semester is ending at the regular time. They're just not coming back to campus after Thanksgiving right. break. And in Tech's case, I think that's eight days of instruction and uh, – uh, exams are after thanksgiving some universities are starting early Mm -hmm. and they're finishing exams before thanksgiving so those are the two models that are being applied and so there was a a piece of news that came out yesterday uh it was from football scoop and i think they're they're fairly reliable uh NCAA is close to approving an updated 2020 preseason schedule that could see teams begin mandatory workouts as soon as july 6th and I think, you know, we've heard many athletic directors and football coaches say we need six weeks. From the time we start till the time we're ready to play, it needs to be six weeks. Well, if your first game is very late August, early September, that's mid-July. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason you're seeing the July 6th date is because there are some universities that are starting classes earlier. Right. Let's say August 10th or something like that. Right. So that gives the players one month and then classes start. In the case of Virginia Tech, that's going to be, gosh, what is that? six or seven weeks and conditioning is also plays a factor um you don't know how many guys like fuente said friday night during the town hall he said he said he told the players look guys we're going to be able to tell when you come back whether you put in the work or not especially from a conditioning standpoint um so some guys are not going to come back in as good a cardiovascular shape as some of the others and and you worry about – I think there's worry about soft tissue injuries, pulled hamstrings and things like that because guys just probably haven't been running as much. And the coach, well, honestly, football players like to lift weights. Most of them don't like to run. Right. I can certainly vouch for that when I play football. I think you just I, described people. I think I just described <laughs> people in general. I, I don't. That's one of the best lines we've had on the podcast. I, I don't, we need to quote that. I rarely run unless somebody makes me. So some guys are going to come back not in shape. Um I don't think you're not going to be able to, you know, if you started camp or started practice in August or, or whenever and you're running gassers, you're running 10 or 15 gassers right at the end of practice because you've been conditioning all summer. Right. I don't think you'll be able to do that right away. You start having a bunch of guys pull hamstrings and that's disastrous. You know how those hamstring injuries can linger. Yeah, so, they're going to have to ease into it. They're going to have to ease into it. So I, I think that's that's part of the reason for that for that July 6th date, too, is to 
just get guys running again so they can gradually st- step it up throughout the course of the month. Now, now given, like we were just talking about, the different universities, not even just Virginia Tech, just trying to uh, be mindful of, you know, what could happen, you know, in, in the winter months with coronavirus if it were to come back. Is there an added pressure, do you feel like, for college football and college sports, for that matter, to start on time when the weather is still warm before that instead of college football maybe getting pushed back to October like that had been thrown around before? You know, maybe it'll matter for the Big Ten and maybe it'll matter for some ACC schools. won't matter for the SEC. It's going to stay warm down there right. all football season. Yeah. Except for maybe Missouri. I don't know much about Missouri weather. Yeah, that, that was a question you brought up before we started the podcast, and, and it's a good question, and it makes sense. You right. know, if, if you're trying to keep your, your students away after Thanksgiving, you want to keep your – Sure. Uh, you, know, you want to keep your student athletes away, too, as, well, much, as much as you can. Right. So, But the thing is, the regular season ends right. two days after Thanksgiving. Yeah. So they they have yeah. to come back. Yeah. Uh, well, it's or not a – stay. They stay. They just the, well. They don't. They never go home for Thanksgiving. They've always anyway. stayed during Thanksgiving. Right, right, yeah. right. So I think the last thing we can because uh, we've got some good things to talk about. Some fun news about the recruits coming in. We're going to talk about recruiting class for football. We're going to talk about the roster for men's basketball. Let's kind of close out this conversation with this. We don't have all the answers as we just talked about at all. But at this point, June 9th, how do you guys feel? Foot college football will look in the fall. Do you think that? We'll see full capacity in the stands, 50%. Not just Lane Stadium, across the country. Do you think the schedule will get modified at all? I think something's going to be different. I just don't know what yet. Um, I I think schedules will get modified for certain schools probably. Um, Now, the the thing about Virginia Tech this year is Virginia Tech doesn't have any long road trips. Unless you count Middle Tennessee State a long road trip, right? Interesting. Um, That's a good point. I, I I think the timing of this for Virginia Tech is extremely unfortunate. Um, like from a home schedule perspective, why couldn't this have happened last year when not as many people were interested in coming to games anyway? When Penn State because everybody was not on the schedule. Penn, Penn State, Miami, Virginia, Georgia Tech, all in Lane Stadium this year. You know. Yes, it is June 9th, and, and you know, it's almost three week, three months until football season actually starts. So uh, I don't see – at this point in time, I don't see a full-capacity stadium. But, you know, that could change during the season. Right. It could change before the season, but it could also change during the season. I think what you see first week isn't, necessar- isn't necessarily what you're going to see the entire season. You're exactly right. That that might certainly be the case. Um, um, it, it's it, It'll be interesting. I actually wish – one of the foreign soccer leagues would decide to open up at full capacity just so we could get some data for college football season here. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think um, somebody else is probably going to go first, right? Yeah, who, who nope, does anybody want to be first, right? Yeah, um, now the, the German soccer league, the Bundesliga, they were the first to come back, they were the brave souls that came back first, but they, uh, have cardboard cutouts in the stands in the stands right um korean baseball has stuffed animals oh my goodness yeah so but so who's going to be the first to open at full capacity that that, that's really hard to say um the thing is about the european soccer leagues is they're just going to restart their season here right now which means the start of next season is actually going to be delayed probably until september instead of normally it's in early august so uh I don't know if we're, we're going to be able to get that outside outside data. 
uh, unfortunately. But but yeah, I could definitely see a situation where schools are like, okay, it's not going to be full capacity at the beginning of the season. Um, maybe we'll gradually ramp it up. So you might get a partial refund because you aren't out allowed into the Penn State game, but by the time the North no, we're at North Carolina this year. But by the time the Georgia Tech, well, yeah, whatever. But uh, by the time that game rolls around, they're allowing maybe I don't know a certain a higher percentage into the stadium. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is, like uh, people are talking twenty, twenty-five, thirty, fifty. As far as I'm concerned, if you let fifty percent in, you might as well let a hundred in. Hmm. I mean, those those seats in Lane Stadium were designed in the 1960s. They haven't changed. People are bigger than they were in the 1960s, of course. So, even with a seat between you, I mean, you're close. You're close. It'd be somebody sitting right there. I mean, yeah. this is probably the size of a seat in Lane Stadium right yeah. here. Um, yeah. Well, one thing too, and I mentioned this, uh, bring this up quick before we wrap up. A lot of talk about football too, but I also wonder about what this all means for fall sports in general. What does this mean for volleyball? Women's soccer, men's soccer, all of those fall sports. We're talking a lot about football. What does that mean for the uh, the non-revenue? I, I, you know, I, I've said before, and my dad pointed this out to me, he's more concerned about going to basketball games in Castle Coliseum than he would be to an outdoor event in Lane Stadium. Right. Castle, so, is in the, it's in the winter. Uh, you know, those concourses are so narrow. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I've, I've actually – it's so packed in those concourses after a full crowd in Castle that I've actually been late – to player interviews because I can't get downstairs in time. That's yeah. how packed it is. So there's there's a growing school of thought that uh, it's indoors is worse than outdoors, you know, and, and I can't find the term. I, I know we've got a, a message board poster, Stephen Baltimore, who's been with us forever, and, and he posts frequently on this that uh, in, in open air, you know, the, uh, uh, the moisture tends to dissipate, whereas in, in a closed space, uh, there's there's a growing school of thought that transmission is much more likely if you're in a closed space with the same people for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. as opposed to just passing by people in open air or even being around the same people in open air. So hopefully we'll get more data on that and they'll figure more things out there. But yeah, great. Well, I mean, there's a reason that you know they open restaurant and bars outdoors first. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Great conversation. As we said, we don't have all the answers. We're just trying to provide as much uh, insight and commentary on the matter as we can. And I will say, every time we talk about it, we do get emails. Like, you guys shouldn't have said that. Eh, okay, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're bringing some uh, some uh, new conversation here as we're going to take a time out here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. But uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the 2021 recruiting class. We're going to talk about some commits that have happened over the last month. We'll talk about the decommitment of Latrell Neville. And in a little bit, we'll talk about the men's basketball roster. You're watching and listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at fisherlegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, class of 98. Let's go, Hokey. Welcome back into episode 129 
of the Tech Sideline podcast. We are recording on Tuesday morning, June 9th, and we're so glad that you could be with us here at TechSideline.com. Evan Hughes, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart, taking your Facebook Live questions right now. We will actually get to them throughout the show a little bit too, and at the end, of course, as always. Transitioning now from talking about what the upcoming college football season could look like to Players that will be wearing a uh, maroon uniform sometime soon or an orange uniform sometime soon. We're going to talk about the 2021 recruiting class. I want to spend the first part talking about Latrell Neville, and then we can talk about the uh, the commits that have happened over the last month. Uh, this happened last week. Latrell Neville, who was once a four-star receiver, and I believe Will tweeted this on Tech Sideline, had actually been uh, bumped down to a three-star uh, over the last couple of weeks. Decommitted right. from Virginia Tech uh, last week. This comes after he sort of reaffirmed his commitment on social media a couple of weeks ago, tweeting the hokey or the turkey emoji. Uh, Will, what were your initial reactions when you saw the decommitment? Well, you know, he, uh, when he, when he first committed, he uh, credited Demetri- his relationship with Demetrius Davis as being a big part of that, you know, and I remember the quote was something like uh, they, they being Virginia Tech has figured out the hard part. They got the quarterback, you know, and then, and then the rest you can fill in around it. And so when Davis decommitted, it was kind of – you kind of figured that Neville would uh, decommit shortly thereafter, and he didn't. He reaffirmed. I don't, yeah, I texted Will when it happened, and I said, I'm surprised it took him so long. Uh, I expected to, to that decommit. to happen two or three weeks earlier. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, he's clearly trying to figure things out. And I, I think they got to him in the interim and said some things to him to keep him on board for a while. But uh, – um, I believe that is no more current commits from the state of Texas, correct? Right. Yeah. And w- when the Texas to VT movement happened, we said at most it had a two-year shelf life. Right, right. Turned out to be one year, one and a half years maybe. Um, you know, and they're but, still working on some guys. And, and right. You never know what will, what will happen at the end of the cycle because we did not know about Alec Bryant and Robert Wooten until late, late. November last year. Yeah, yep. So. Yeah. yeah, so you know, you never know what will happen between now and Sunday. Well, and just because the Texas TV VT movement is down right now doesn't mean that those connections that, you know, Bo Davidson and Justin Fuente have from that state of Texas won't be there class of well, the, 2022. The, 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 the connections are, are always going to be there, but it's, it's, it's really, really, really hard to get a guy who has a lot of closer options to go that far away. Like, it, I, I'm from Virginia. I'm from Danville, Virginia, originally, and uh, you know, let's throw Virginia Tech out of the picture because I'm biased. Uh, you know, if if Texas Texas A&M offered me, and oh, man, I really like Texas A&M; it's great. But you know what, man? Georgia Tech, NC State, Clemson—they all offered me too, and and they're all that's a lot closer than Texas A&M, yeah. right? Uh, so I, I would not go to Texas A&M. There, I couldn't do it because it's so far away. Yeah, and it's to, just, there's, so, there's so many good Power 5 options down there in right, Texas. Yeah. Uh, now, that said, there are also a lot more players, mm-hmm, you sure. know. And, and you know, Virginia Tech uh, had a lot of success uh, early in Frank Beamer's tenure with getting players out of Florida mm-hmm. because I think the perception was – First of all, there were a lot of players in Florida. Yep. And secondly, the big programs were Florida State, Miami, and Florida. I'm not even sure UCF and USF were You couldn't yeah. were uh, they, they division one A at the time. I'm not sure they were either. I for, yeah. I forget the year I forget the year UCF joined. I think they were the first. But yeah, it was So close. so there were three schools and they could take maybe seventy five players and there were a right. lot there were a lot more players than that in the state of right. Florida. Absolutely. You know? 
I don't know that that's really the case with Texas. There, we we could count up the number of good schools down there. There's four, five, six schools down there. Uh, so, well, on the last couple of podcasts we've done in the past, we've talked about at one point it looked like this recruiting class had a ceiling potentially, potentially of getting top twenty. And right. you know, Chris, we've we've had these conversations about how the numbers don't necessarily matter in the rankings, but just as a as a whole, when you look at the players that are in this twenty one class, how do you view it right now compared to maybe when we talked about it in March, April, or May? Well, it's ranked in the low fifties right now. Uh, Davis, when Davis decommitted, he took a chunk out of that ranking yeah, all by yeah. himself. Yep. Um, it, and part of it is, part of it is, they just don't have a lot of commits, you know. And other programs do. I have not sat and analyzed the average recruit ranking, but if you look at the composite rankings, there's there are no four stars or five stars in this group for Virginia Tech. And to crack that really top thirty, top twenty five, top twenty, you got to have some four star guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. If, if they're not going to get four stars on board and they're not going to get, you know, what is it, 20, 25 guys in this class, it's not going to wind up being a highly ranked class. Yeah. So I'll put right. it at that. And But it, but you're right. It looked like at one point it, that it was building momentum and that's what it could possibly be. It, it's really not too surprising. Uh, I mean, generally speaking these days, it's the schools with the bigger budgets that have recruiting success that can hire like, you know, North Carolina hired Auburn's director of recruiting away. I mean, North Carolina outbidding Auburn for a big-time recruiter. Um, Virginia Tech, I believe in Justin Fuente's first three years, was the only school in the country to sign a top 30 recruiting class with a budget of under $100 million. Yeah. Yeah, Chris did a research recently. um, So over the course of Fuente's tenure at Virginia Tech, he has actually done more with less on the recruiting trail. And I think the reasons behind that – is everybody assumed at the time, why didn't Virginia Tech get a recruiting bump in Justin Fuente's first few years like most coaches do? I think we're learning now that he did get that recruiting bump. And that as everybody else has increased their resources being thrown into recruiting, Virginia Tech has not, at least not at the level, and they haven't kept up with the Joneses, so to speak, as as far as that goes. Um, And I think we're seeing the results of that now. I mean, Virginia Tech is bottom third in Power 5 schools in revenue. Uh, and, and I can hear it now there are other factors that Bud Bud Foster had one foot out the door, et cetera, right. et cetera. I mean, there, there's 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 been a lot of things happen to this program recently. Yeah, there is no one reason. There is no why one things reason. Happen. Every right. everybody has their pet reason, their favorite reason. Right. Right. You know. And, it, and but in fa- the reality is, it's a f- combination of all of. Yeah. It's an impressive stat right there, by the way, that you found about the uh, the the resources and the I mean oh yeah recruiting uh, class that's very, l- l- I mean, let me let me go ahead and drop these on the podcast please. right now. Uh, University of North North Carolina. You ever heard me talking about that this morning. So everybody's wondering what advantages UNC has. So UNC has a $240 million athletic endowment. Virginia Tech's is $65 million. Right. And so that means every year UNC pulls out over $11 million from their endowment to pay for scholarships. And the average scholarship bill is fourteen to seventeen million dollars. So when you're pulling eleven off of an endowment, you're almost paying the full well, bill. Well, they're paying sixty three percent. Now they do have more sports, so they have more. Yeah, yeah. So they're paying. So right now they're paying sixty three percent of their scholarship money through endowments. And Virginia Tech's numbers are the scholarship bill is about sixteen million, and their endowment brings in two and a half. Two and a half million. million. So so that's an extra eight and a half million UNC has to play with every year over Virginia Tech. Yeah. Now it's about to get even worse because this past October, the North Carolina Senate and legislature passed a rule that says out-of-state student athletes 
at North Carolina schools can be counted as in-state students. For tuition purposes. For tuition purposes. So now UNC will not have to pay full tuition for out-of-state recruits. So that 63% is going to jump up, I don't know, to 80, 90, 95%. More millions of dollars. More millions of dollars available to higher way Auburn's recruiting staff from them. You know, so there are massive advantages that UNC has over Virginia Tech that are completely out of Virginia Tech's control because the state legislature in North Carolina is willing to do things like that. For honestly, this was always a law in the state of North Carolina until 2010. So what was always a law that they could count out of state students is for in-state tuition really until 2010 until 2010 got reversed in 2010 and now it's back to the way it was before see we just we just found this out this morning it'd be interesting to do the research oh i I guarantee you uh so mac brown had had his run at unc in the in the late 90s with cav and all that group i'm guessing that law was on the books then he gets back to the state of north carolina and says oh i can't do this anymore you guys need to change the law and they did it for them because it's you know unc Right, and they they probably have a lot of alums in in the in the you see. I'm just kind of shooting off the cuff here because we just found this out this morning. But mm-hmm. you got to figure that not only is Mac uh, an influential and persuasive guy, but there's probably a lot of UNC alums in the in the power structure of, of North Carolina politics. And I mean, my goodness, uh, if you have a 240 million dollar athletic endowment, yes, there's a lot of a lot of that. Yeah, um, and so I I, uh, I know for a fact from a, g- a good source that posted on our board earlier today nearly wa- nearly 50 percent of unc's athletic donors are uh, rams club or excuse me rams club members i think it's what rams club i think it's yeah. called the rams club. uh nearly 50 percent of rams club members aren't even season ticket holders they just donate well for- you know for Virginia Tech, there's seven. There are now seventeen thousand Hokie Club members, and there are only something like ninety five hundred of them ranked in the Hokie Scholarship oh, okay, okay, Fund ranking. Okay. So you know, we're yeah, okay, around. so we've reached that level. But that's too. relatively new with Virginia Tech, right? And Virginia Tech has got a lot of people in this past year because they lowered the level to twenty five dollars. Yeah, so so they're they're building for the future. They're getting people right. in at the lower. These level. guys at UNC have been there doing it for for this years and years and this years. Is true. Well, let's uh, let's transition to the commits at Virginia Tech. They've gotten a, a, quite a few actually over the last month since we did the last done the last podcast. So uh, we're going to throw some names out there. Chris and Will are going to give their thoughts, and I uh, want to start with a familiar last name that'll bring a smile to uh, Tech fans. That's Jalen Stroman uh, committing to uh, Virginia Tech, three-star defensive back out of Patriot High School. Uh, of course, the younger brother of the, the great Greg Stroman, who's mm-hmm. with the Washington Redskins right now. Uh, the TSL article did a great job of showing the different brothers that have come through Virginia Tech, and now the, the Strowmans are are Hokies. So, well, I'll start with this. Um, what were your thoughts when you saw Jalen commit? I, I think that Chris is, is much more uh, tied into this stuff <laughs> than I am, but Jalen's probably a guy who is underrated. I would agree with when that. When you sit there and yeah. say, oh, he's a three-star. Um, yeah, I remember watching, to, to go back to Greg, I remember watching Greg's uh, high school film and I don't want to get carried away. He played a lot of quarterback, right? Oh, and yeah. I remember yeah, just he thinking, was a read man, option some, quarterback. Some yeah. of these highlights are Vic-like, man. That kid can he was really an move. Awesome athlete, but he wasn't very big, you yeah. know. And, like and one sixty. Jalen, on the other hand, is Jay, J- or Jalen. All right, so people are going to compare him to Greg because he's Greg's brother. He's not anywhere close. They're not similar as prospects. Yeah. Uh, Jalen is 
much more like Terrell Edmonds in terms of physical stature and athleticism, in my opinion. He's going to play free safety, rover, or whip, in my opinion. He could play corner. Uh, Terrell Edmonds played three positions in his three years at Virginia Tech. He started off as a corner, then moved to rover, then moved to free safety. Yeah. Um, you're gonna. I think you could see Jalen Stroman uh, move around during his career. I don't know what his ideal position is at this point, but uh, he's you had versatile. a chance to watch his film yeah. and um, yeah, and what do you player. see there? Like uh, I had the immediate question of can he return punts? <laughs> no, 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 I, I don't view. Uh, you know, generally your punt returner is a smaller, quicker guy, whereas Generally speaking, your your kickoff returner might be more of a long strider, straight right. ahead speed. Yeah. The guy who hits that hole and and get, just goes straight ahead. If he was going to be a returner at Virginia Tech, I think he would be more likely to be a kickoff returner. Do you have his uh, size there? Evan? I do. Six one, one ninety. Which is uh, that, that, yeah, that's, that's a lot bigger than Greg. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, so he is the number seventeen recruit in Virginia, according to two four seven Sports. Number nineteen recruit in the state, according to their composite rankings. So. I mean, he's bigger right now than Greg is right now. And yeah. Greg's an NFL player. I, I wonder. Do, do you wonder, Chris, if that's a case of Stroman's not higher ranked because he's just not playing the recruiting game? You know, wasn't that the case with the Edmonds where? Where they probably. they were underrated because they just you that, know. probably um, Trey was the highest rated of those three because yeah. he was the first yeah. and so, you know sometimes like you just you just know where you're gonna go so maybe you don't go to as many camps or people are like oh I'm not even gonna bother to recruit that guy because we know where he's going to right. school the 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 other reason I like Jalen is the people he's been around uh, Greg is one of Virginia Tech's favorites. He's one of Ben Hilgert's favorites. He's one of Justin Fuente's favorites. And the feeling is mutual on, on, right. for coming from Greg also. His work at work ethic was incredible, top-notch. Um, so Jalen has basically been living with Greg, who has an in-home gym. He's even installed field turf in his backyard, I think, or something like that. Wow. So it's basically Greg Stroman, Tim Settle, who also has Tim a, Settle, yeah. yeah, who also has a phenomenal work ethic. So the the guys that have surrounded uh, uh, Jalen, and he actually said uh, Ben Hilgert reminds him of his dad, just the way he pushes people and hmm, things like that. So uh, I, I in, think in he, a good way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think uh, I think he's been surrounded by the right kind of people, and he'll come into the program immediately understanding how to work. He will be physically ready and mentally capable, I think, of, of contributing right away when he gets to Virginia Tech. I still want to redshirt him. We haven't used that word yet today. So. Maybe are. Yeah. I was thinking in the back of my mind, how can I somehow redshirt in? in? But knowing we're talking about recruiting today, somehow that, that, that yeah. word was going to be dropped. Uh, let's transition from Jalen Stroman to uh, three-star running back, class of 2021, from Dorman High School in South Carolina, Chance Black. Six foot one. 190 pound running back, uh, someone who had over a thousand uh, rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, 166 carries last year, and he also caught nearly 400 yards out of the backfield. They, they so like versatile back. Yeah, that, they, they, they like him because they'll be able to line him up anywhere. Um, you know, you put him out on the field, and the def- defensive coordinator isn't sure which package to run because they don't know if he's going to line up in the slot or as a, as a running back or out wide or whatever. And and that's a type of versatile guy guys that Justin Fuente likes. Obviously, you could do that with Dalton Keene, right. uh, you know, James Mitchell to a certain extent, Sam Rogers, and that really helps you offensively in, in terms of, of game planning and, and things like that. So uh, he's got a good set of hands on him, in, in my opinion. Um, he's kind of the long strider type. Like, 
Yeah, like, he struck, he struck me as a one cut kind of guy. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. 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 He'll like this too. Uh, Wilt, I'm Annalise, and you know, run it. He uh, he also runs track. Finished fourth in the state of South Carolina in the triple jump. So he's got some explosiveness to him. Yeah. yeah was Dave, I think David Wilson was a triple jumper. Those 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 guys got some hops. Yeah. And I believe, it, uh, if memory serves correct, was he from the same high school as uh, Dalen Wright, the receiver for class of 2020? Or was that somebody? Maybe uh, Jacoby Pinkney went was to that it high Pink- school. It might be Pinkney. Yeah. Apologies. He certainly did, yep. yeah. Um, so that's Chance Black. And, you know, in- interesting to see if he'll redshirt or not. But, you know, he's got the – Expect uh, the, redshirt, yeah. So hey, they are cramming some running backs into the program. I think that's 10 on scholarship or something like that. There won't be 10 by the time he gets here. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this is all class of 2021. Let's transition now to the defensive side of the football. Mm. Uh, three-star defensive end, class of 21 from Gilman High School in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Matthias Carroll mm-hmm. uh, committing to Virginia Tech. Uh, the other two finalists were Maryland and Duke. Probably Stretch. my favorite recruiter of the class so With, far. What size is he, Evan? Give us the size. 6'4", 220. Right. right, and and that's now he was he was listed at six three. He was listed at six three by some sites and six five by others. Right. I watched his commitment video on his Instagram live the day he committed, and he said he was six four. And you see pictures of him next to Justin Fuente, and he looks six four. He was also a tiny little person compared to his father, who was six nine. Right. So, so is, could, he, is he done growing? Yeah. Right. I mean, this is a guy who could be six five or, or more. I mean, his nickname is Stretch for a reason. He's got long arms. Yeah. This and, is one of those guys who is. Probably no chance he com- he contributes in his first year, but he's going to be in the 250 to 260 range by his third year, and that's when he'll have a chance to take off. He is one of those ultimate high ceiling guys. Um, like I think the star ranking should be given for current ability and potential ability. His current ability would be about a one star. His potential ability, I think, is a four to four and a half star range. Uh, I think he's one of those long term guys that if he uh, if he applies himself properly in the weight room and everything, he's going to be a really good player. He is a better prospect than some of the higher ranked defensive linemen that you will see, which we'll get into in a few minutes. Yeah. In my opinion, and he and he also fits. I think he also fits the the modern defensive model of going up against spread offenses. Yeah. Taller, rangier guys on the perimeter who can get your create, hands up against those problems quick passes. And you see, you know, sorry, but you see that at UVA, you know, guys like mm-hmm. Snowden, you know, that create a lot of trouble on, and just just knocking down one or two passes a game can make a huge difference oh, in a man. game. Yeah. You know, if you're doing that on third down, um, it's it's funny because Virginia Tech fans, and and this isn't a criticism, there's just the the, the romantic notion of the Cornell Brown, Corey Moore types who come off the the, the Bruce Smith types who come off the edge at 100 miles an hour, and that just really doesn't fit the modern game. You know, we all want to see 16 sacks, right? Uh, but you know, I'll take a guy that can that can. Hold up the perimeter, stop the run, clog the passing lanes, that kind of stuff. That more fits the modern game. It's a game. different era, yeah. You remember for the uh, next 10 years after Corey Moore, everybody was the next Corey Moore? Every recruit, this guy's the next Corey Lamar Cobb's the next Corey Lamar, Moore. No, I think Lamar Cobb was, well, uh, he, he, yeah, he was, he was he right was, after Corey well, Moore. Well, he, right? he started at stud the year after Corey That's Moore right, left. Right. He was I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I played against Lamar Cobb in high school, and I, he is not going to be the next Corey Moore. <laughs> I, I, I am afraid of Corey Moore, but I was not afraid of Lamar Cobb. Right. <laughs> I mean, Cobb was a solid player, but, you know, it's not the next Corey Moore, of course. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a different style of defensive end these days. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Virginia Tech, their biggest issue this past year, I don't think was necessarily their size at defensive end. If, if you're going to be small, then you need to be quick. 
and fast. So Virginia Tech needs to either get bigger or they need to get quicker. Now, ideally, you identify targets who make you bigger and quicker. If you can't get that, then you need to make sure they at least make you bigger or quicker, right? Carroll makes you bigger and quicker. He's an ideal defensive end prospect for Virginia Tech, in my opinion. There are some guys that have been higher ranked on the boards, uh, on recruiting boards recently, that do not make you bigger or quicker. Uh, Landon Watson, who started out as a four-star recruit, has since been demoted to three stars. Uh, and re- switched to outside and linebacker. And switched to outside linebacker. Listed at 6'3", on, on most of the recruiting sites, which is the same thing Carroll's listed at on some recruiting sites. But if you look at pictures of them next to Justin Fuente, uh, Landon Watson is more like 6'1", and Carroll is more like 6'4". Yeah. Even though they're listed on some sites, it's the same height. Uh, so Landon Watson is one of those guys who does not make you bigger. And... He may or may not make you quicker. I'm not 100% sure that he does that either. Yeah. So everybody's looking at him and saying, oh, four-star recruit. Well, he used to be a four-star. Four-star defensive end. He's, right, right. he's actually kind of a three-star he, outside linebacker. Yes, he, right you're right, right. But people, because honestly, recruiting services do rankings way too early before the whole pitcher gets out on these kids. Yeah. People are always going to view him as a four-star defensive end and think he was Virginia Tech's top prospect when in reality he is not. Um. He does not make you bigger, and it's questionable that he makes you quicker, whereas Matthias Carroll does both. So the the bottom line is that uh, um, Carroll was one of the top guys on Virginia Tech's board at defensive end. He's a guy they yeah. wanted, and they got him. Right, so, and let's keep in mind here that you just hired a, a coach from the Buffalo Bills. You know, so let's go ahead and trust him a little bit, right? Well, let's, let's read about in the article here that we put out about Matthias Carroll. Uh, read this paragraph. Um in his commitment announcement on Instagram, Carroll cited new defensive line coaches Bill Tierlink and Daryl Tapp as big reasons for his commitment, as well as head coach Justin Fuente and defensive coordinator Justin Hamilton. He is also an All-American wrestler at oh, the high yeah, school absolutely. level, though he does not plan to wrestle at Virginia Tech. He's just it's a big be, deal to be an All-American. He's just, just, just going to so, bring the, the, so those hand techniques. So he's a and tall guy with long arms with the ability to put on 40 or 50 more pounds who understands leverage because of his days with wrestling. I mean, this guy is the ideal defensive end prospect for Virginia Tech. There's no guarantee that anything is going to work out, but if he stays the course, I would be surprised if it didn't work out for him. All right, and the last recruit that Tech has picked up, I'm excited to talk about Danigel Militich. Offensive lineman, class of 21. Evan's done his homework. That's why he's an All-American. <laughs> I, uh, I love that name. Uh, Mil- Dar- Danigel Militich. It just flows off the tongue mm-hmm. very well. Uh, he's from Germany, but he was initially born in Serbia. He is he is Serbian. And in a country like Serbia, they will most likely not have a an American football league. So if you want to play American football, you have to go to France or Germany or England or somewhere like that if you're if you're in Europe. So I'm guessing that's why he made the move to Germany. Let me so. let me give a little bit of backstory real quick because he's he's got an interesting story. You yeah. know, it's it's refreshing to get a different kind of recruit who's got just you know comes from a a, a different background. So he's six four two ninety, um, and uh, let's see, he had offers from UCF and ECU. Uh, plans to play football in the United States as a senior, but he's been working closely. Again, this is from our TechSideline.com article, which you can view on the website. He's been working closely with Bengals offensive line coach Paul Alexander. And he tweeted this when he Paul committed. Paul Alexander. Oh, okay, you're talking about the coach. 
Okay. Yeah, so Paul Alexander, the, the offensive line coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, says, quote, I'm saying it again loud in all caps and clear in all caps to all the D1 coaches, even top 10 football programs, he put in parentheses. Danny Gell Militich is the real deal, and four years from now, I will be retweeting this tweet and saying, I told you so. I, I, yeah, I initially made fun of uh, Bronco Mendenhall when he started signing Germans and Danes and things like that. Um, I've actually bought into it because I, I think if you're trying to build a program based around culture, you know, Wilford Panay has not had anybody in his ear for the last two years telling him how great he is. And this is the tight end from the class of 20s from correct. France. Sorry, just to get from France. From France. And same thing with this kid. It's just. Those guys, they sacrifice everything to try to get a scholarship. I mean, Panay moved to the United States when he was 16 years old and had to learn a language, had to learn the American language, the English language, while attending school in the United States and learning the game of football. That's a lot of dedication, and that's that's a lot of bravery, really, from a 16-year-old. You yeah. know? So guys who show that kind of dedication, and tell me how to pronounce his name. Uh, Danijel Militic. Militic. Danijel Militic. He, he moves from Serbia to Germany, mm. probably also at the age of 16. Yes, it's in Europe, but it's it's a different culture. It's a different language. So these guys are... Sacrificing. So they're sacrificing he went, So he, he went Serbia right. to Germany to the United States. Correct. Right. Uh, yeah. And mm. you, you're not going to have any trouble out of these kids. And they are going to assimilate right in. Um, and and these and honestly, you know, Europe is so it's so small. It's so much more, you know, that open border policy with the EU and everything. It, it makes for more cohesiveness as far as guys fitting in and thing and guys making easier adjustments. I think mm. so. Th- so these guys have uh, they've they've shown the willingness to work and go above and beyond when it comes to realizing their football dreams. So I think these guys are going to, they're going to be really good culture fits. I don't know what I think about Militich as a prospect yet. I'm not, I, I think he got really strong hands, really, really strong hands. Uh, I don't know about offensive line footwork or technique or anything like that. That that's, I've, I have a blind spot there when it comes to evaluating recruits. I think Panay is an all really, really good prospect. Hmm. Actually like him. I think he could be a great defensive end attack, but uh hmm. So, but I, th- I think both of those guys will be will come in and they'll get the most out of their ability. So, of their so that makes ahead. me think of I, I still remember Buzz Williams talking about JUCO guys and and how they've they've had nothing. Oh yeah, and and they appreciate everything they get. It, it, depending on the JUCO they go to, they might not even had AC in their locker room. Yeah, you know? and 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 transfers also have gone through the whole high school thing and looked at looked at the facilities right. and had smoke blown up their butts. Well, and tr- but they've been through the process and they're they're more mature about it. Well, that's why Virginia Tech's so good at recruiting transfers. <laughs> yeah. Those guys know what's BS and what isn't. So yeah. when they get told the truth by Justin Fuente, they they appreciate they it. appreciate and, it. And, yeah, and they're able to cut and, out all the noise. And, and, make a and tech tech has, has a good chance of signing uh, of bringing in another transfer this summer yeah. um i know they're recruiting that cornerback from iowa really hard who started a lot of games this past year as a freshman for iowa and is now transferring former four-star recruit yeah and i think tech has a really really good chance with him i i forget his name off the top of my head i just found out about him last night or the day before my brain says johnson but i, I, th- I think that's right yeah. um 
but you know it's guys who have been the process before and the, and they know the information that's important and the and the information that's not important and you know 16 and 17 year old recruits that, that they don't know dj johnson dj johnson All right, i got the johnson part right. he did sure he did yeah he's in the transfer that's may 22nd 2020 yeah. article written on si.com so uh let's do this one more question uh malcolm actually uh, gave us one i don't know who it's from but there was a question about these three prospects for the class of uh jacob s yates thank you for the question jacob uh jacob wants to know about naquan brown Landon Watson, who we talked touched mm-hmm. on, and then Taj Bullock, who right. is the six foot four dual threat quarterback from New Jersey. I'll stand on what I already said about Landon Watson. Naquan Brown's a really interesting prospect. Um, I think he's got elite quickness. Um, if he plays defensive end in college, he obviously does not have elite size, but he does fit one of the two metrics there that I think Virginia Tech is using or is possibly using for recruiting defensive ends in the future. He doesn't make you bigger. But right now, but he does make you quicker, most certainly quicker. I don't know what his ceiling is as far as how much weight he can put on. Um, but I do think he can be a, an effective player in some role for Virginia Tech. Um, his size is what gives me pause. You know, he's, he, he's listed at 6'3", 205. I don't really see the 6'3". I've seen him in a picture like next to Demetrius Davis, who's 5'11", 200, and a really thickly built guy. And he, Brown didn't look more than 6'1", in the right. picture, if that. Yeah. Um, and he was skinnier. He's just, for a defensive end at this point in his development, he's kind of a frail guy. But like I said, it, elite quickness off the edge, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, all right, and... Who was the last? Taj Bullock. Taj Bullock. You know, the funny thing is, you know, Virginia Tech has now offered over 300 guys for this class. It's too many guys for me to keep up with, so I generally don't don't start focusing on guys until I know that they're a top target. Yeah, so, so let me Tech. jump in here and say that the, that the two quarterbacks, and, and Chris can correct here if, if, if I'm wrong, the two quarterbacks they're really on right now are Bullock and not on um, the Texas guy anymore. And not Lucas Coley. No, okay. I think once they offered Bullock, they, they went, they've gone all in on him. Interesting. Um, so, because because Coley's going to commit yeah, Thursday. Well, you can't get a kid from Texas to visit right now, anyway. Right. So, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. And information on Bullock. So, six four two twenty three three star quarterback according to two four seven sports dot com. Number seventeen dual threat QB in the country. I think. Yes. Yeah. And then yes, there's a seventeen next to dual on uh, his name. So, so right. all right. So, means- I, I didn't realize until the today. That he was Virginia Tech's top target at quarterback. Okay. Um, until sometime this morning. Got some intel hot off the presses. Right. Uh, so for 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 perspective, so, Demetrius Davis, I think, is the number six dual threat QB in the country, and Coley, who they also recruited, was number nineteen, and you slot Bullock in at seventeen. So because Virginia Tech is offers so many guys these days, and I, which means I can't focus on individual players until it becomes a what. I become aware that they're top prospects. So somebody gets in here and says. So so I haven't had a chance to evaluate him yet because I just found out today that he was a top target. But, you know, he's got Gerard Evans' size. And Rutgers is his other top school, and I completely trust Greg Greg Schiano's evaluation skills, especially for New Jersey players, which is which is where he's from. Right. And, so, and Greg, by the way, has really built up the recruiting staff there at Rutgers. Absolutely, too. yeah. Uh, We've talked about so, that before. So uh, Greg Schiano – at one point, you know, after when Beamer's retirement was being discussed and everything, I thought Greg Schiano would have been an excellent choice yep. for Virginia yep. Tech. Absolutely former NFL excellent. head coach. For, uh, uh, just a good Mid- Mid-Atlantic. Yeah. Knows the Mid-Atlantic really yeah. well. Uh, 
So I, I trust his evaluation as well as Justin Fuente's evaluation, and those seem to be the two yep. players here in his recruitment. The only ones that are warm on this list, Rutgers is the first on that list warm, and then Tech is uh, second I think warm. that's just an alphabetical thing. I think you're right. No. Yep, and uh, the, recruited by Brad Cornelson and Jafar Williams are the, the his two primary recruiters, and then everybody yeah. else is cool on that list. I, I don't know when he's going to decide, but uh, I, I I think Virginia Tech at least has a puncher's chance. There. So it, so it sounds like Coley will be off the board to somebody else on Thursday, and then yeah. it then it'll be down to Bullock. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Yeah. I I couldn't in going through Bullock's Twitter feed, I couldn't see where he had said yeah. anything about when he was going. Yeah, come and in. he fits the mold, man. Uh, yeah. I, I've got to watch his tape. I haven't done it, but six four. 225 or 230. Yeah. Um, that, that's 240 in college. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like I said, he's going to be Gerard Evans' size. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I have no idea about him as a passer or anything yeah. like that. But like I said, I trust Fuente's evaluation. I trust Greg Chiano's evaluation. Um, I've, I've never been worried about quarterback recruiting in this class. I think Demetrius Davis is an elite prospect who, if things fall correctly, has the chance to possibly be a Heisman Trophy candidate. I mean, I think he's that good. But I think in, in I think Virginia Tech's system, Virginia Tech always gets good quarterback play. The, the only time Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson haven't got good quarterback play is Ryan Willis for the first three games of his senior season. Yeah. That's probably – he didn't let him know he was hurt. Right, right, that was part of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's on Willis probably. I mean – it's, he's he's the only quarterback that hasn't been able to perform consistently for those yeah. guys. That that's on Willis. So I trust Virginia Tech to find a quarterback. Either somebody that's in the program now, a high school kid, they'll develop. They do very well with transfers, obviously. Yeah. So you know, I'm, I'm just not worried about the quarterback position, it, whether whether it's Bullock or whether it's somebody else later. You know, I think Tech will be fine there. As always, we'll keep you posted on TechSideline.com, social media, TechSideline on Twitter, any recruits, anybody getting close, we've got you covered. And, you know, we are at about that hour point, and typically that's when I say we got to wrap it up a little bit. You but might hear my stomach growling on this microphone. In a few we, we ha- oh, as we right, cross noon. at noon, yeah. we have gotten the green light to go over an hour. Sometimes we get messages, why do you guys stop at an hour? We, you know, Chris and Will. Well, when you're only but- doing them every two or three weeks, you should really make them longer. Yeah, but we're, we've got the green light to keep going. So we've got more content coming to episode 129, Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. And let's transition quickly, football to basketball, and then we'll get to questions on uh, Facebook Live with Malcolm. So over the last month or so, we've had some um, some new players come on to the Virginia Tech men's basketball roster. Of course, the headline is P.J. Horn entered the transfer portal, very quickly committed to Georgia. That is his home state. I believe he's from Tifton, Georgia, Tifton, if yeah. memory serves correct. Uh, but P.J. Horn, uh, Jonathan Cabongo, who uh, I guess technically was a medical redshirt last year, uh, is no longer on the roster as well. So that leaves Wabisa Beatty, Tyrese Radford, the only Buzz Williams holdovers currently on the Virginia Tech roster. But uh, they've got out and they've got uh, you know the Pemsel guy from Iowa, Cordell Pemsel. Mm-hmm. What have you guys made of the offseason for Mike Young and how the roster looks right now on June 9th? You know, I, th- I think there's seven guys on li- this list that were big contributors this past year. Beatty, Couture, Naheem Aline, Jalen Cohn, John Ogiaco, Tyrese Radford. So that's just six. Um, and Aluma redshirted this past year. Correct. Because um, he was so transferring. There's going to be a lot of new faces, um, which isn't too surprising. I mean, when Mike Young took over, what he had four scholarship players. Um, and. There's just, there's just all, there's always, generally speaking, going to be a lot of roster turnover that first two years in basketball. Um, 
you, you can afford to do that in basketball. I mean, because it, it doesn't take you that – it won't take you more than two years to get all your guys in the program, right. most likely, because there's only 13 scholarship players. Uh, there's room for one more um, with, with Horn going. Horn, apparently, f- from what I read, it was just like the his family has had some issues with the coronavirus, huh. and he wants to be closer to them because travel is uncertain and everything like that. Um I mean, I mean, if his parent, let's say his mom wants to come see him play in Blacksburg and, you know, what if half the hotels around here have students in them again? <laughs> you know, I'm, ser- I'm, ser- I'm serious. Um, and, and, and there's a, there's a cap percentage on the rest of the hotels that don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just speculating here. So yeah. I'm good with that. I mean, PJ Horn's done nothing but represent tech in a good way over the years. He's a good dude. Always been a good teammate. That's what he wants to do. Yeah, the I response to his announcement that he was transferring from Virginia Tech fans was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. likes P.J. Horn. He's yeah. a good guy. Uh, um, now, that being said, from a basketball standpoint, you know, you've got John Ogiaco. You've got, got Luma. You've got Aluma and uh, you've got Pimsel. Pimsel. And, and you've, so you've got three guys plus uh, Gison. You've got four new players going to be on the, six nine and up is that right yeah pretty much yeah. Uh, maybe six eight with, with six, geese eight, on but nine. who knows whatever um you got a lot more size now um you I, like geese on's a four a natural four in mike Young's system but you know aluma can play both uh Pimsel could probably play, play both if, if he needed uh ojiaco is obviously a five i don't think pj horn was going to play very much this year yeah, you know, I, if, if he had kept making his three pointers, maybe, but his production right. a bit beyond the arc fell way off. It, it did. Like, he, like it's no coincidence that like those two or three games where he got really, really hot, or Virginia Tech won those games. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I don't think there's any coincidence there at all. So the, I, I don't think he was going to play as much this year. That that's that's my take on it. I don't know anything about George's roster, but. Uh, but they do have I, Tom I, Crean as their coach, the old yeah, Indiana coach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I would anticipate him probably playing the four for Georgia rather than the five. That, that would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think that really affects Virginia Tech's abilities on the court this season, in my opinion. No, I don't think so either. You know, and, and they've got so many pieces here that 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 can see the floor. You know, uh, Cartier, Diara. Um, He's a guy that, uh, and 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 we, you know, he's he's to me he's an interesting case because he turned. He's a very uh, uh he's a playmaker. He's a slasher. He can get to the rim, but he's going to turn it over a lot. Too. Yeah, well, you know, and, Mike, and we'll see if Mike Young can cure it's, him it's of not, that. Yeah, but he'll play in a more constructive offense now. Um, yeah, I, don't my, know, I, I, don't I think know. I think Mike Young's offense. I need to go back and study the number. You think for, by its nature, by its it nature, you're going to turn the ball over yeah. less. Yeah. Yes, um, as opposed to just yelling at guys when they throw it away. Uh, 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 well, right. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of offenses come from, or excuse me, a lot of turnovers come from, you know, guys just trying to make individual plays, right? Yeah. And and ideally, you know, in the Mike Young offense, the system is the point guard, right? The system makes the plays. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's going to be fewer turnovers. I mean, Virginia Tech was one of the best teams in the country in turnovers this past season despite having so many freshmen and despite even your upperclassmen being new to the system I mean, it was if amazing he, if he can keep this group together right you know mm-hmm. not just next year but the year after it's it's i think it's pretty amazing what you're going to see from a turnover standpoint they're going to have a lot of 
cohesiveness of playing together so many minutes yeah. on the court yeah. and that's going to help a lot too again i have to go back and i have to go back and study his numbers from his years at wofford to see where his team's ranked in turnovers but you know i think the offense itself is going to bring uh diara i guess that's how you pronounce it jara diara diara uh, i don't know we'll have to look it up yeah. and start getting it right uh, you got the first one cartier is definitely the first yeah. name uh but i think i think the offense itself is going to help him limit his turnover so with pj horn transferring and that open roster spot uh, adam zagoria back on june 1st uh adam uh new york times sports uh there's this grad uh grad transfer uh from delaware his name is uh, justin mutz we need a mutz on the team he uh, yeah, averaged uh, 12 points per game 8.4 uh, rebounds per game last year started his career at high point delaware last year he's immediately eligible with two years left as he graduated in three size? years i uh, do not have the size available if he's uh, averaging over eight rebounds a game at the very least he's a small forward but yeah, they, they right. say ford and then there was an article uh written uh, let's, uh chris arvin says that virginia tech is prioritizing grad transfer justin mutt so you wonder if that might be the the final piece to the puzzle, so uh, to speak. I think somebody said he had two years to play, maybe. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I wonder yeah, right. if Joe Bamisil is the final piece of the puzzle. He he continues to get rave reviews. Yeah. Every time his name comes up on the board, you know, the people that have seen him play are yeah. just – He's going to be rusty, though. He missed his senior season. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, it's, first of all, if you've got a guy who's averaging over eight, eight rebounds a game and his last name is Mutz, I mean that's that's just, that's just perfect, man. I've always wanted you know a junkyard dog on the boards. Right? Is it M U T Z? No, M U T T S. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. By the way, uh, as I'm about to transition over to Malcolm, uh, Naquan Brown tweeted one minute ago his final six. I'm watch. I always have Twitter up, folks. So LSU, Penn State, Pitt. Uh, as I continue to watch this video, trying to fast forward, I'm assuming <laughs> there's Virginia Tech in there at number four. It's a very well done video. So one minute ago, that's why I have Twitter up, folks. Absolutely. If you ever wonder what I'm doing, just in case we get some Mutz news. Mutz is and, and six, seven, two, twenty. That's fine. That's fine. He can play the four. Uh, Good maybe the three. I, I don't know what his skill set is, but uh, I, I like those. I like those guys that are like Bryant Matthews size that you could play at either the three or oh, the four. Bryant yeah. Matthews, man. Yeah. Before Chris's uh, stomach really starts to uh, to rumble here it's getting on the, there. You're, you're on, on the show, in a few minutes. let's turn it over to the, the best producer in the land who has sat there so patiently, just typing away with a smile on his face. He Drinking is his diamond, Malcolm dude. Stewart. How you doing, Malcolm? Doing well. Oh, I forgot to move my mic. Hey, <laughs> oh, there we go. Hold plus. on. Um, only question we've got so far that we didn't go over is from. Janet E. Crowder, what do y'all think of the plan to limit attendance at the football games this fall? Is there a plan? Wait, wait, yeah, I, I mean, there are plans based on different things, I guess, but they won't know for another month or, or maybe a little more. Like, like what Babcock said in the town hall on Friday night, that they're not going to know anything about possible attendance levels until probably early July. So... There's going to be another month of speculation about Man, this. It's, it's tough because there's so much there's so much logistics involved. There's so many logistics involved uh, that, it, that you can't you can't wait until like August 15th. Right. You got you got to come up with a system to prioritize people, decide who's going to see what games. I mean, do, do you know how much money is going to sent, would be spent shipping out tickets to people who? A month later, you find out uh, we can't have we don't have room for them in the stadium. Man, right? I'm so, so glad I don't. Have to yeah, do that so job. from yeah from a logistical standpoint, there's so much. Uh, so I don't. I think they have several plans 
based on a lot of different factors, but they're not going to know for another month or so what's going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's not a whole lot you can say about it. I, I just, you know, it's, it's likely going to require some people to make some sacrifices and not be able to see games that they want to see. No question. And, you know, I, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, uh, you would like to think that everybody would just keep a stiff upper lip and suck it up and not complain. But there, there will be some people who will wield a little bit more influence behind the scenes. Maybe, you know, it's, 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 it's just a, like I said, logistics, it's just a lot for an athletic department to deal with beyond what they usually have to deal with. Right. So. Mm. Uh, going off of that, Max Hafer, should students be given priority access to lane? Uh, should they? I mean, not if you want to make the most amount of money possible in a year where you might not have enough money. Are you all going to be mingling on Center Street before you come no, out? Are you going to leave at halftime? Because if they all leave at halftime, oh, then dude. you might as well give them to the fans that donate money, right? Uh, yeah. Because, given priority. Uh, right, like, mm. All right, so think about it. Let's say, I don't know, you're allowed in at one-third capacity or something like that. I'm not going to make the cut based on my hockey club level and and everything like that. you get to see the Liberty game. Uh, you know, but the thing is, like – I personally would not take make the cut. I don't know if my parents would or not, but there's going to be certain people in there that are going to be over the age of 65 that do make the cut, and they're going to be like, you know what, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go. Wow. Uh, and so that their tickets might get dropped down to me or something like that. Well, again, I have no idea the logistics of this stuff. There's there's just way too much that I can't even possibly think about. Yeah, but it, but it is it is an excellent question. Where do the students fit in this? Because uh, yeah. they're your future donors. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of the noise. They bring a lot of the energy. I don't, you know, you can't pack them all into the north end zone. I mean, that, that needed to end anyway because I'm – very much in fear that the North end zone is going to collapse at some point because they all crowd in there. And they need somebody to drop a bunch of money on them and turn that thing into concrete. Exactly. Yeah, that'd be great. So, I, I, man, I don't know. Uh, we, we don't have an answer for that one either. Right. And, and that's another thing, man. You know, student attendance across the country has been in decline. And this yeah. is not just a Virginia Tech thing yeah. with kids leaving at halftime and everything. We like had a full that. podcast about that at one point. Yeah, we absolutely Which you can go yeah. back on our archive on YouTube, folks. Go yeah. through the old, you know. Yeah. Malcolm, have you, have you bought a season ticket yet? I think I did. I think I bought them the day they became available. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, so, like, if students aren't allowed in at full capacity this year, and you just get them more and more used to watching the game on TV and just having a kegger in their backyard. And, that's a risky run. Yeah. And that's actually true of the general populace. That's true of everybody, absolutely. And, and that that's true of, of, of everything. You know, there's that whole thing of how the coronavirus and COVID-19 are going to change the world forever. And I was talking to somebody down the hall here in the CRC, and he said, you know, I don't know how many people work down the hall. Let's say it's 12 people. Two of them have been coming in regularly. And uh, the other 10 have been working from home. And he said, and they've been doing a great job. Yeah. He said, you know, when, when you look at the Corporate Research Center, the Corporate Research Center originally had, uh, recently had its, uh, um, I can't find the correct term i'm looking for the manager joe meredith who has run the crc for many years has retired and they're looking for his replacement and one of the discussions that has occurred is 
Um, how is this going to affect this, the future of the corporate research center? Are people discovering, hey, do I really need all this square footage? Or all, we... all this office space that is getting built do around really the country and everything. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot of empty buildings because people are working it from home. I mean, I know the first two or three weeks of all this whole thing, you were working from home. I kept coming into the office. I was pretty much the whole person in the entire building. I had yeah. my own castle over here, man. Chris and great. I have been coming in pretty much every day because no one else is. No one, it's just no one else safe is. To stay in but, but home. When you were working in Radford and I was working here, we were just as cohesive as far as getting articles posted. I'd just text him and say, yo, I just uh, saved an article. Can you go edit it? And he would go edit it and I would post it. I mean, it yeah. was nothing had really changed. We weren't seeing each other every day, but we right. were communicating. So yeah, I mean, it's just so many things are going to change. So anyway, anyway, so, but but the question was students was at football students. games, and so yeah, I mean, I, I personally would think like if whatever percentage of let's say let's say I'm just I have no idea what number it's going to be. Let's say it's thirty percent, and that's thirty percent across the board: students, regular fans, whatever. I would think it would be 30% across the board for everybody. Yeah, so I don't think they're going to be treated any differently. Right. Thing. Good question. And they won't let them set them all in the north end zone either. Because, you know, if 30%, I guess, could all fit in the north end zone, but then they're not socially distanced, right? So, But they're going to cluster anyway. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll yeah, see how it goes. Yeah. You know, Virginia Tech's, probably Virginia Tech's football identity is inner Sandman, the entrance. Yeah. That's what Virginia Tech is known for. Like, if you asked a random person off the street, that's what they would say. And just think about it, man. That's going to be a whole season, and it might not – the team running on the field to enter Sandman to an empty stadium? Yeah, Penn State is not going to face a full-throated lane stadium, which is a shame. And, and we, then Virginia Tech will go back up there in 2025 and face 108,000 people. Yeah, Beaver stadium. yeah, you know. Mm. All right, anything else, Malcolm? Uh, one more from Janet Crowder that we should talk about. How weird is it that we have a Wahoo leaving UVA and coming oh, to Tech? You can't make that up, man. Chris, yeah, so Chris so, uh, read up on this uh, yesterday. Uh, so oh fill everybody in gosh, on what this is. So this close. kid started as a freshman at Long Snapper for UVA this past year. <laughs> He's transferring to Virginia Tech. The guy's a direct descendant of Thomas Jefferson. So like he is UVA embodied. What? And <laughs> the embodiment of the university. If you want to be an all American, you can't let your mouth hang open like that. I'm so I just did not realize I, I saw the news. I didn't see that he was a direct descendant of direct, Thomas direct. Jefferson. It is on his biography on the UVA football website. And he's transferring from UVA to Virginia Tech. You can't make this stuff up. I'm <laughs> and is he going from being a scholarship player to being a walk on? I was doubt, oh, it's else? probably the other way around, uh, if I had to guess. Ooh. Why would you change schools like that if you're already a starter? I must be and, thinking of somebody else. Uh, well, it's, dude, it's, 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 it's Stout all over again. Remember Jordan Stout, Virginia Tech's kicker? Yeah. Okay, we went, went to Penn, Penn State, State, set a school record for like the 58 yard field goal. Yeah, yeah, right, and became their kickoff specialist. I mean, that's he didn't get a scholarship. He went to get a scholarship. He went to get yeah. a scholarship, right. Mm. So it could very well be that situation here. Not not everybody puts every specialist on scholarship and like Frank a, Beamer he used to. he is a long snapper? He is a long snapper. Uh, so he'd have to sit out this year. 
uh, I believe Virginia Tech's long snapper Oscar Shadley. Oscar Shadley is is a senior this year, so this guy would take over as a redshirt sophomore or whatever the, the year after that. He better not make a bad snap against UVA. <laughs> well, here, yeah, yeah. The, the joke on the board yesterday by Stork was th- this is a plant. It's a plant. Like he's going to come out in a big play two years from now in the Tech UVA game and just snap it over the punter's head. That's right, right out of the back of the end zone or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a great way to close the podcast. Yeah. I saw that news. I just did not see the Thomas Jefferson part. That is, I mean, uh, it's crazy enough it, to get someone to transfer from UVA to Tech. But twenty twenty is crazy, man. <laughs> and we're only about halfway through it, so we've got we've got more to go, and uh, we've got more Tech. I bet that's pop- almost worth losing the Commonwealth Cup over. I mean, <laughs> we, we can look at UVA fans and be like, man, Thomas Jefferson's great, 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 great grandson. Would rather go to Virginia Tech after spending a year at UVA. He would rather go to Virginia Tech and beating Virginia Tech his first year there. I mean, he's going to be the only player in the history of the world to win the Commonwealth Cup for both teams. teams. Wow, that's for sure. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we are about almost ninety minutes into this podcast, and it flew by. It really did, as it always does here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thank you all for. Uh, the questions. Thank you, Malcolm, for sitting there so patiently and uh, chiming in with the viewers. That's one of the one thing I love to do: go back and watch the Facebook, uh, the comments on Facebook, and then see Malcolm interact with everybody on Facebook. So, um, as Tech Sideline, right? Yeah, as Tech yeah. Sideline, correct. Yeah. So, uh, any any final thoughts before we sign off here, gentlemen? Well, I got to go to the bar on Friday night, and I got to go to the gym this morning. So everything's almost back to normal. Things oh, are good. I, uh, if I, I could I, just go on vacation, I'd be happy. And I hit a deer last night with my truck. Did you really? No. Oh, you man. know, it's just, it, it didn't even scratch it, your truck, did it? Well, it actually it, the, those those GMC Sierras have a, have a have a big plastic grill on them, and uh, so I'm so I'm driving down a backcountry road, and I, and I see a couple of deer on the side of the road, and uh, you know you know that the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when the knight says he chose poorly, the deer chose poorly. It went in the wrong direction. <laughs> And I got him square with the grill, and uh, um, you know, I hit the brakes, so I didn't, right. I, I didn't hit him going 50 or 60 miles an hour. Near as I can tell, it just broke the grill. And, and so I got home, and I, and I reach into my grill, and I start pulling out all these plastic parts. I pulled out 16 pieces of plastic wow. that are apparently part of some louver system behind the grill that i don't know what it does so apparently it's unnecessary uh, uh, yeah because i drove to work this morning no problem i'm gonna close with a quote from will that he told me back in gosh was it september or october when the the sports car had the um the miata the miata and will will you know we're talking about the car will looks at me and he says i'm getting a truck and i'm gonna make sure I'm not losing the battle the next time. I said, next so, time I hit something, I win. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, it's, and there it's, you go. So, it's much less terrifying to hit Bambi with your full size pickup truck than it would have been with the Miata. That I used to actually. So this is on the way to and from my dad's lake house, which is some backcountry road driving. I used to worry that in the Miata that I was going to hit a deer one time and it was going to roll up into the cabin, if you want to call it that, into into the uh, cockpit of the Miata, so to speak. I mean, we've all seen Tommy Boy where the deer. Oh, I was just about to bring that car. up. Yeah, <laughs> fortunately, if you didn't have a back seat. You would have had to put him in the passenger seat. <laughs> the Miata. Fortunately, this did not happen. So <laughs> excellent so. movie, Tommy Boy. Yeah. Gosh, hey, I have seen that. For those that always comment, as I haven't seen, that, I have seen Tommy Boy, and I love that movie. So <laughs> it's a great movie. There and Office Space. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much to everybody for uh, watching or listening. A reminder: uh, you can access 
episode 129 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. All other episodes on our YouTube page, our SoundCloud page, our Apple Podcast page, as well uh, as Facebook. So I hope you'll go back and watch. Hope you can join us next time. And uh, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, That'll do it for us, for the managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart. And everybody's all American, Evan Hughes. (laughs) I am your proud podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for listening and watching to episode 129 of the Tech Sideline Podcast brought to you by the official law firm. Have a great week, Hokies.